0: Welcome to What's My Thesis. I'm your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview and ask What's My Thesis? And today, my guest is Victor Castaneda. Castaneda.
1: Castaneda. Castaneda, sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine.
0: I started thinking that it sounded a lot like, uh, what's his name, uh, Don, the, the, the guy that wrote uh, Tales of Power. The Don Juan mm-hmm. guy. I don't know if you know. He's like a, he. He became a guru, but he did like a bunch of like. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> it's it's this guy. All right, so it's this book. It's these series of books, and I was into them because it's all about brujeria, and mm-hmm. and it's like poses very anthrop, pro- you know, like for, like it's like. Presented kind of research papery But then yeah. my mom told me And I read a bunch of them And it's really just about people taking fucking drugs And trying to like handle their trip Essentially yeah. like in this weird way But Is, it, what's is that
1: it the Four Winds or the, four, the guy who wrote The Four Winds or something like that? It might
0: be, it sounds like He wrote Tales of Power He wrote uh, I've heard of him basically through Deepak Chopra and, yeah. and, and, and like when I was a kid, and and then it was all really interesting stuff, and like I'm into all that like brujeria shit, you know, like it's all weird, and and I'm into it, but um, and it's it's written like it's it's riveting like writing, but my mom told me that he ended up uh, becoming a guru, and that gets kind of weird.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> a cult in its own making. <laughs> yeah, which is one of the things. But anyway, sorry for mispronouncing your name, no but. Way. Uh, so, uh, are you in LA? No, I'm um, right now.
1: Um, in San Diego, I'm doing my MFA at UCSD. Mm-hmm. Um, but originally I'm from like the LA area. Is that club-
0: the Rioski? What's the school called? In, in- uh, U-
1: University, California of San Diego.
0: Oh, okay. I'm, I'm confusing it with the USC's program. No. I, yeah, 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 yeah. But you, <laughs> but the, that your program is pretty good. I'm confusing it. Cause that's one of the places that I looked at. Okay.
1: Yeah, um, and I kind of grew up in the San Fernando Valley, so it's just kind of like a straight shot down here, cool. you not know, that far.
0: <laughs> so you're, you would you consider, San Fernando Valley, you said, not San Gabriel, so you're yes. more, so which one, where's Burbank, San Fernando or San Gabriel? Um, yeah. Burbank um, is San Gabriel, right?
1: No, Burbank is um, up north, like from close to um, the San Fernando Valley, like. Over the hill of like the L.A. area, you know, where everyone just kind of like ignores everyone.
0: (laughs) Okay. Just north of L.A.? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 Now I have a pretty good idea. And San Gabriel, is that where the 405 takes you?
1: I don't know where San Gabriel is. I'm okay. really at my maps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I f- anyway, this makes riveting podcasting for anyone yeah. listening. Um cool man. And so uh you, what uh, what are what media are you working with lately because I've been seeing so you are doing some like digital stuff. Yeah. Is that Okay.
1: Yeah, like um primarily do sculpture but I also do VR that's kind of like the digital medium that I'm kind of like headed and with like um and that aspect of digital artwork is um VR um mm-hmm. that I'm kind of focused on and and I'm also and then I do like sculptures out of paper mache so those are oh, like cool. the things that I kind of like work on the most
0: what kind of are you are you doing representational work with uh, with your sculpture? What, what what are we talking about? So people yeah, can see it. They're
1: um, representational right now. I'm currently working on a series of like working with toys out of memory and kind of like creating these like wall sculptural pieces that are kind of um um like I'm thinking about like um, notepad papers like you write your notes and stuff and kind of like bringing that out. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm using like house paint and just kind of like everyday materials that you could find somewhere and not necessarily concerned with like using like acrylics or anything like that. Just like something that is fast and cheap and I could easily use.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you find that you end up saving money that way or not? But... Cause I, I sometimes it's debatable when I use like fucking um, drywall <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> to make like a super heavy fucking sculpture that I'm ne- <laughs> you know that is completely useless. But like I need to make it. But yeah, I totally. I I, I mean, paper mache is cool as a material. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I feel like I I could make a lot of sculptures with like. 'cause I just use like chicken wire under the as the skeleton and then cover that, mm-hmm. and I just buy like a big roll of paper and like Elmer's glue and just use that as just kind of like you know just going really down to basic arts and crafts, but mm-hmm. just making it at a bigger
0: scale <laughs> like how big of a scale are we talking? Um they're pretty much
1: a uh, almost my size, which okay. I'm like five four, so they're like kind of like that high. Um, I'm For some reason, like, everyone always points out, it's like, oh, yeah, these sculptures are always, like, your size. They're (laughs) never anything bigger or anything less, but they're always, like, around my size. I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to use a ladder.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was already assigning dumber, like, more profound reasons for that. Oh, it's to your scale, but I love that it's just like, Yeah.
1: yeah I'm, that's cool yeah the, that's like like what i kind of like work at right now yeah
0: that's interesting it kind of makes me think of you know how like the uh the the stuff in um like the propaganda buildings in in, like the uh, Pantheon and stuff like that, like the Roman buildings, right. That are, they're built with the, uh, the golden ratio, but it's like, to scale to the average man. Like I like the idea of you making a world that's just entirely (laughs) to like getting accustomed to your size. Right. Yeah. And (laughs) I
1: feel like that's what I'm also working with VR like Mm -hmm. as well. Like, Cause like in in VR, I'm still thinking of it as a sculptural, three-dimensional or like, um, and like digital world as well, because you need to have like a headset and kind of like walk around in the space that Mm -hmm. it's uh, put in. And like that, it's also like the objects are still kind of scaled to my size. Like they're never really scaled. I mean, sometimes they're scaled bigger, but right now I'm just kind of like focusing on like my size and, it's always weird when people's like, why is this person so small? Or like, why are they always kind of like the same height? And I'm just like, I just don't want to make it bigger than me.
0: <laughs> is that, is there, is there anything more behind that choice? Cause in that case you could, you, I don't imagine that you're limited by ladders. In no. That, no, I mean,
1: in VR or in just in general, it's just, um, I'm more interested in creating um, a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm, I don't know I'm just thinking of like having everything just be the same. i um, kind of in a way and I'm not really thinking much more besides just my height in relation to it and that. So it's like I don't know I'm, I don't know if I'm a- answering your question right now.
0: Well I mean it's fair if there isn't really necessary a specific answer with that I'm looking for, you know? Like I'm this that happens a lot on the show where it's like you know there's plenty of questions that I ask that I can't get an answer to, even even if someone's like researched something and I'm like, <laughs> wait, <laughs> and then they're like, I don't know, because <laughs> it's not what, but it, that's a perfect example of it's not like what's interesting to them about it, right? So I guess that's that's what I'm figuring it out. But it is an interesting thing that it is uh, a specific that you're attached to, Um so, did you want to maybe, like, introduce your topic? Do you have a topic that you have wanted us to talk about today?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one topic that I'm kind of interested in is the, like, rave culture. Okay. Um, and kind of, like, because I kind of um, participated in it for a little bit, and it's something that, like, I've done some research. I'm not, like, well-knowledgeable on the whole History like mm-hmm. but somewhat like I've done a little bit of like research on that that I kind of like kind of starting um with so I feel like that's the topic that I feel most comfortable talking
0: about that's great well uh that, first of all, you do know that i i i uh, at one point did identify as a raver well. Oh. Okay. Did, so were you this, this? Be, yeah. oh, <laughs> I'm okay. like all I <laughs> anybody who's watched while you've been talking I've been like all like <laughs> oh 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 <laughs> polishing myself off I'm actually wearing an Adidas hoodie <laughs> uh, <laughs> What's it called? Yeah. Uh, so, well, first question that I have is like, what generation uh, like are you? How what, 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 I'm from 1980, so no. I'm, I'm guessing we might have either the same. I, I can't gauge how old you are, no. <laughs> but, but just because you're you're in your MFA, I'm guessing you're probably younger than me. What, what year were you born? I was born in 84. 84 okay so you are closer to my age I I was like immediately like fucking regretting saying that because I was like oh man I aged him up if he's like 20 something but like yeah
1: yeah um I think for me like I kind of did like um we and my friends kind of did like the raving from like 2007 until like 2010 2011 somewhere around Mm -hmm. there so that was like the kind of like generation that I kind of was part of it. it. It was like at that point where EDM took over for like that last part of that decade and the early part of the 2010s where it was just everywhere.
0: So I d- actually didn't know that EDM was, I thought EDM was just what they started calling techno.
1: Yeah. But that, it's,
0: it's actually its own genre, right? Like
1: it's yeah, its, it's, its, its own, own genre. Yeah. And it's weird because like, I always get confused with it too. I'm like... What makes EDM and what doesn't make EDM? But EDM is just pretty much what the latest evolution of techno, if I am correctly remembering.
0: Well, I think there's still techno. I think techno is still a thing, and and, and all of that. But I mean, I think it's fair. I, I like a lot of stuff. It's it's hard to sort of. It's so niche and like <laughs> like I remember there was there was a time where my friends were getting really really deep. They were spinning. Uh, uh, drum and bass, and they were getting really into it. And I would go and I would listen to to what they were into, and it sounded like drum and bass, and I liked it. But to them, it was like, it was like, oh, this is two step. Oh, this is this. And I was like, yeah. I could hear the differences, but like, there's no way that even like a sub, like even something like drum and bass has so many subgenres. So I feel like sometimes you would hear in the '90s there was like kind of a boom because of the parties and stuff. So I feel like uh I would hear words and I thought they were synonymous, but I think that like they're very specific things. It's like, you know, like um I had an example but I forgot it. But anyway, uh so go on. So 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 for me I was more into the drum and bass scene, uh more into the house scene. I, it was 90 like uh 95ish to like I still went uh, uh, to, to when as I go, got older, but I just didn't like you know get down the same way quite a, as much. And like out here, the scene is so different, right? So yeah. I was in Miami. You were out here in in, the, in San Fernando, right?
1: Yeah, I was in. I mean, because the, the San Fernando is still part of like the LA area, so we would mm-hmm. just kind of go like to the warehouse and downtown LA or just like the surrounding or at the time it was San Bernardino where Mm -hmm. they were having a lot of like the raves because um there was I remember if I remember correctly there was this like abandoned water slide like a water amusement park that they would have it every once in a while and I think that was the one if I if I'm remembering correctly I think it was um hosted by different like party groups but um the guy that did EDC, he would also host parties there as well. Uh-huh. Um, there was like a common area where people would go. Like it was always that place and then NOS um, event center in San Bernardino as well. They, I went, I, they used to have it and in, also in, in LA next to USC. Um, what is that? That, um, place i'm trying to remember that place um it's next to um the african art museum Um, i don't know
0: i'm not that well versed in in big venues uh, venues of that size but did you ever get to go to like um like those parties where it was like what's it called where you just show up to like a random place people would give you an email address You, you know like where it was like was like low key because i never got to do that in 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 miami was it still happening out here when you were when you were raving
1: no uh, i think i got at the point where it, they were just passing out flyers left and right i got introduced to raving culture through my brother's sister mm-hmm. oh so, like
0: wait she, what so your half sister no
1: not my brother i mean um girlfriend my friend's sister.
0: okay friend sister okay yeah
1: sorry (laughs) like through my friends so um and I remember she would like take me to like she kind of went to the big ones which were like the mainstream ones but then me and my friends after we kind of like got hooked, and we started going into like the smaller ones that were like being held in like random like um um warehouses all over LA and they were just like giving out flowers left and right. So I never got to experience like that, calling a number or getting an email or just like go here, go there. But the funny thing about that now is like I'm here in San Diego and I follow like several like um, people who host parties, but they're no longer promoting it the way that they used to because they're like being thrown in like, at sewers or like just like renegading like throughout like san diego there's like different warehouse parties so Mm -hmm. they're they're less and less giving out the information so you have to know who's throwing the party and just kind of get like the info that way
0: okay yeah
1: go ahead no so yeah no i was gonna say so in a way it's kind of going back to that like 90s ethos of like being secretive of like who gets to know where they party's gonna be if you know you know
0: yeah 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 that's cool i mean i think that there when i've moved out here i went to a couple parties there's a space over here i forget what it's called but um i saw some some pretty interesting shows there's definitely some good music out here for us the scene was a little bit different because it was in the 90s, but it wasn't out here on the West Coast. So when you say, like, you, it made me laugh. You said uh, small parties at warehouses. I was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> this is still a huge space. It wasn't really until I, I went to, like, parties in Maryland. Like, I went mm-hmm. to some parties in Baltimore and, and in that area. Um and it's funny to me to just think what the fashion must have been differences must have been like cuz Jenkos man Jenkos up and down right like yeah. in the 2000s were you guys still rocking those or were those dead yeah. by then
1: I think Jenkos were dead by then but candy culture was really big
0: Okay like, so like
1: I, what does that mean Like you know like the beats and everything I mean there was still I think it, I got caught in at the last life cycle of Jenkos and kind of like that like 90s stereotype of like ravers. Uh-huh. Um, but it was kind of going more into like uh, more less and less like kind of like flashy clothing. Um,
0: yeah, it's funny because I'm just thinking about how much material my pants had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and not just Jinko's okay. like Mom and Me's and all these different Liquid Sky, like all these different UFO pants. Did you ever see those? No. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I threw those out a while ago. But they're like, they were these big fucking pants that were baggy and they were like kind of cargo pants, but they, they were like parachute and they had these straps. And so you would put them on, but you would also like tie the, the, the hem and you would mm-hmm. like, it It had a little tie off so you could tie it up on your calf. So it would look like you were wearing shorts and there were these like huge baggy, puffy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It was I like the like... logical conclusion before you guys stopped wearing jinkos.
1: <laughs> and that's something like that, like uh, when I was like raving and I was like thinking of like the nineties, like I was like, I always felt like I missed the nineties because like that era of like raving cause I liked the fashion. That was happening at that time. By yeah. the time that I got it, it was completely different. Um, but
0: like, what do people? Where, so you say you said the are, when you said less flashy. In what sense? Like, um, pants are less baggy, obviously, but is, there's no, there's no like people aren't aren't like. Has it lost that? Like, because some of the fun was all the flash, right?
1: Yeah, I mean it. It was like a weird kind of like. Um, I, from what I remember a lot of the girls were wearing like the tool like ballerina kind of things with the fishnets and like it was always like a bra. Like that was like kind of like the style that a lot of the girls um like the guys were just wearing regular kind of like um clothes. It was just like comfortable and just sometimes like regular shirts. Um but there were like there were like the candy kids who were like at the last thing where it's like that were still showing flash through like um having like those beaded bracelets and like wearing flashy colors they were still kind of wearing like the janko pants and whatever but it wasn't as much as it was like in the 90s like I was like, kind of I'm like, just like
0: a, I'm imagining it. I'm remembering it. And it's just glorious. It's like all these people, you can't see their legs. They're just like, <laughs> moving, they're, it's almost like they're hovering. <laughs> right. While the <laughs> while everything is flapping around, it's making me super nostalgic. Um, but that's, that's, that's fun though. Like, uh, so, so did you, you said you had some notes about history. Did you want to get into, into a little bit, something a little bit more specific? Well, I mean, Yeah, I mean, I feel like,
1: I think um, one of the things that is, like, that often gets left behind within, like, the influence of um, electronic dance music and rave culture is that, um, like, the lack of um, acknowledgement that Black and queer people kind of created the sound that later became part of, like, the rave culture, like... um, kind of thinking about like how the aftermath of disco kind of came like Chicago house and then Detroit house. And that was because all these instruments that were supposed to be like kind of uh, for guitarists, like all these bass like instruments for like professional um, um, players, like musician players. And so like all these, like it was just like put in secondhand stores, So they were cheap and then they started they got their hands on it and they just started producing these things and thinking about like the difference between um, house in Chicago and then Detroit had um, techno. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just kind of like the evolution of like, I'm just like interested in how, like how we, where we're at at now in regards to like electronic music and especially dance electronic music and how it just kind of goes, comes out uh, out of the birth after disco Mm -hmm. and obviously like disco has other influences before that that it's just kind of like growing and it's just kind of like acknowledging the fact that um, throughout history um, techno was created by um, black pioneers in Detroit and house music was pioneered by um, black Americans in Chicago and It always sometimes... I mean, isn't that
0: always the way, though? (laughs) (laughs) It's like anything that's good comes from, like, a a, even our slang. It's so funny, like, how how you just, like, a word catches on, and then as an old 40-year-old, you use it, and you're like... And then you find out, like, come to find that it came from some, like community and by the time it gets to me (laughs) it's been fucked over by like all the little zoomers that are like oh this is cool let's make it our own you know yeah (laughs) i mean it's
1: interesting to think about dance also like because i think last year during the protests or whatever like um black tiktok kind of like refused to and i still i still think they're still doing it now they're not making dance moves because all these dance moves were created by like black TikTok creators. And then eventually, like all these Fortnite white people,
0: took them all.
1: <laughs> and, then, and then, like, all these like white people started doing it. And then, like, they get credited for a lot of like the dances when it was like someone else with a smaller thing. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, but it's just always funny thinking about like the evolution of what cool is as well because it gets so bastardized by like several generations later. Um,
0: Because like the original- Do you have an example that you're thinking of? I mean- That's just an interesting thing you said.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, for me, I'm just thinking about like swagger or like, um, what was it like, um, I'm just thinking about like all the slang that kind of came out like swag came out mm-hmm. out of like hip hop. And then it just kind of like became this thing that got overused and kind of lost its meaning. Also like the word on fleek, like yeah. that was like kind of like
0: a. I remember to- method man hated it from the moment it came out though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, but it's a, uh, but it's always like interesting to see like how certain words, like as soon as they become popular, like, uh, it just kind of loses like its semblance of its originality, or like its the thing that yeah. made it. Um,
0: do kids still say "cool"? I feel like they do. I don't know. Um, that's such a weird one because that's got such staying power, you know. That that's what that makes me think of, just the idea of like, because uh, yeah, man, groovy and all that bullshit. The bomb from my generation. Yeah. <laughs> my mom gave me a pep talk. I told you I had a rough day, and like I said, I'm already forgotten about it. But my mom <laughs> gave me a pep talk earlier today, and she goes, "Come on, How you're the bomb." And I was just, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was the cutest thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: I. Also- also, i mean because i kind of remember but that also
0: came from black culture it has to have come no no white guys come is coming up with a metaphor that effective
1: yeah i yeah i, I don't know it's just i'm just thinking about like all those things and kind of like how with music it's like there's always that same kind of like it's always kind of tied together to music like yeah. it always cut like a lot of the time most of the time it like first out of like music and it just kind of like flows into this own like universe, you know, and it gets taken out of context. And then, you know, as I was saying, like throughout time, people forget, like, what was the original meaning of it, you know? Oh my Uh God.
0: Yeah. With so much today. Like, I don't even know what anybody means with anything anymore. I I I constantly have to check in because like, I think one of the things that's crazy is just how much um, I don't know what happened to our media cycle, but mm-hmm. like our t- it, I don't know, the internet was supposed to be something completely different. You remember like yeah. when, 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 and uh, and I feel like it's the vibe that we had about the internet was that sort of like raver kind of vibe where it's mm-hmm. like Hey, everybody's here. Everybody's chill. No one's really a dick, you know. Unless they're unless you're like a dick or whatever. Like, yeah. um, I mean, they might be like a little closed off and stuff, but that's like, you know, you're out at a party. That's always the case. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I think that like there was a lot more idealism. I don't know. Does that still exist? Is it because of the drugs that everybody feels good about <laughs> the future?
1: Um, no, it's funny uh, because like. I like in regards to like being here doing my MFA, I've been reading rereading like mm-hmm. TA in classes that deal with like electronic, I've been like rereading like the Cyberpunk Manifesto. And that has sort of like the same like ideology that like early 90s waves kind of have, like the blur and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um and it was like this kind of utopic kind of um way of looking at the internet. And and I just feel like with social media, um, after like YouTube, MySpace, and like Facebook came along, they, it just became like, Oh, we could monetize this. It, it ultimately comes down to capitalism. It's like, and it's like, how can I monetize this kind of like subculture, which always ends up happening. Um, what is it like every subculture gets um, consumed by capitalism? Yeah. Um,
0: and well, the rave culture has been, uh, I, I think it's almost like raving is passe. It's It, it kind of, it, it, which gives it its sort of coolness again, right? Like, yeah, yeah because there did come a moment where it was kind of reaching peak. And as a kid, there definitely felt some validation, you know, to hear like drum and bass and ads and stuff. Now I'm like a little bit less cool about like ads. But um, there was a weird moment where like, I, what you were saying was making me think of like, it was before the millennium, there was like a deadline coming of like, when the future or a number that of a date that was like, different in a very profound way, right? It wasn't just like, a, a, a what? Well, it wasn't just a century, it was a millennium, right? And something about that, you know, but that's so crazy, even there, like, not to get meta on on a on an interesting idea of like of the fact of why why we were so hopeful about the internet, but it's like, <clears throat> you know, even then that's such a fabricated thing. Like I always find it funny. I don't know. You probably run into this a lot, but the before common era, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, and after common era or whatever the fuck it, it, it is. Mm-hmm. To me, that cracks me up because we're still counting down. Like it's not only we're we're counting the day. Still, to and from the birth of Christ, right? All we've done is changed like the the way we describe it, but it's still like ba- that's the basis for it. But anyway, it's hilarious to me. But the whole the whole point of like it's been two thousand years since Jesus was born was a big deal, even though we didn't say it like that. But that's essentially what it was, and maybe that speaks to why it didn't end up being uh, a utopia (laughs) you know because we i
1: don't know it's just like i just feel like with this utopia like you know how it's like every there's really no utopias because um it's hard to achieve um and i'm also thinking about like like i'm also thinking like what you were saying is like this optimism of the future and like I'm reading like Mark Fisher and kind of like thinking about like that idea of like his idea of like ontology is like that we can no longer think about the future um, because it's kind of um, like if I, I'm like trying to remember exactly how he worded and kind of like paraphrase it correctly, but it's just kind of thinking about because things have gotten so fucked up with, um, society and we kind of got let down by the evolution of technology that it's easier to imagine a future without uh like it's easier to not imagine the future that we thought it was gonna be um so now that's why we're kind of also nostalgic for things as well um so like and that's what i see like a lot Right now, it's like everyone's kind of like nostalgic for the past, like the, like, like kind of like um, the rebirth of the early two thousands, and mm-hmm. kind of like certain aesthetics of that kind of like coming back to
0: yeah. Y two K, yeah, yeah. And We've talked about Y two K as an aesthetic here before. Yeah, <laughs> which is funny to me. Yeah. But-
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I I think for me, like the idea of the future, like, I don't like, I don't agree with that, that we can no longer think about the future. I just think that the future has shifted from the original perception that we have. And we have to adapt to a new way to kind of, the new way that everything is at the moment with climate change, politically, and all of that. And just kind of think about it how do we go from here and think about the future and not kind of like negate what has happened?
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting, what, you, what the idea of hope, I wonder how much of it has to do with just the impending notion that like, uh, we're going to just destroy the planet in our mm-hmm. lifetimes. And that because... That's just been like a ticking clock in my entire life. I remember acting in in Earth Day plays where I was like somebody that I, I played some Brazilian guy that was an activist that stopped uh, deforestation in the Amazon in in a in a school play and stuff like that. And it's so like I mean, man, that shit is so. It's like. It's an existential thing. And right now, I mean, I'm still struggling. I think people are still struggling with COVID. People are still losing their shit. I'm losing my shit, you know, like uh, it's I have to remind myself to fucking socialize because it's like it's so easy to just I'm glad that I'm not the only one. Like I literally just before I talked to you, I reached out with people. I'm like, well, I'm stressed out about work. There's really nothing more than I can do that I can do about it, other than just keep working, you know. And and hopefully my work will improve. <laughs> the only stress is my own uh, abilities, right? Like my, nobody's stressing me out at work. Nobody's being a dick. It's just the, my ability. And and I'm like fuck. Like I can't just spend all my life like stressing about this. Yeah. But did you did you grow up reading a, a, any sci-fi? No,
1: I actually didn't really get into sci-fi until I moved in with my roommate. Um um, this after? Again, 2015, 2016, I move in with my roommate. We were doing like our MA at CSUN. um, And she's the one that really got me into sci-fi more and more. And I'm like, oh because like, that's
0: fascinating because they're like almost inextricable like i wanted to be like i was a raver because it was like it made me feel futuristic
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean and i feel like that that also kind of, like i i'm also thinking of like that movie hackers
0: yes yes um, yes 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 a hundred percent
1: you know so like I, i'm also thinking because like i felt like I feel like at least in the nineties like technology and techno and electronic music were kind of like combined. But that's just my own kind of like um glorification of that era. You yeah, know? yeah.
0: No, yeah. they were because it was it was it was definitely the The uh, the Silicon Valley was really boring up until that point, right? Like, because computers were so inaccessible. That was kind of what made that movie so exciting. I mean, they were fucking playing with DOS. It was these crazy like (laughs) graphics and stuff like that that have never come to fruition. And when they're like hacking, it's like you see a rabbit chasing, and it's like it's all (laughs) bullshit, but it's so entertaining, right? But the thing that was so but that's a great movie in terms of like nineties hacker. 90s raver culture because yeah. it is a movie. It's more about being a raver and being cool in that like aesthetic and like prodigy and uh, magic people, voodoo people, and you know, and like they, there's even rollerblading in one, you know, in yeah. some of it. It's so, it's such a quintessential 90s like movie, but yeah, it that definitely got us excited. For you know, <laughs> did you see it in theaters?
1: No, I did not see that movie in theaters. I think I saw it on TV at some point. It's like, um, I think it was like on IFC um, when, like I remember getting cable for the first time in like the late 90s and finding IFC and like when they used to show really good independent movies Mm -hmm. like that were just kind of man-made and that's where I saw it. And I'm like, oh, and then at the same time, that I saw that I saw like party monster and I'm like, I need to go dancing. Where where are these parties happening? Cause I need to experience this once I get older and could actually do it on my own without like taking a sibling or something like that.
0: Yeah. You so, know? so party, uh, party monster. That's the one with, uh, that's the one of the uh, guys on special K that
1: right. Yeah. Um, with okay. Michael Alec, um, and
0: then I think Macaulay Culkin's in that, or no? Yeah, Macaulay
1: Culkin's yeah. in it, and it's like all about like the '90s club kids and the late '80s. I remember. Like, well,
0: I remember and- that happening. I remember that that being a news story. I remember the the thing that happened. So basically, these guys. for people that don't know, it's not a it's a it's a true crime story. So it's not a spoiler for the movie. But basically, uh, these guys they they were fucking partying, and I don't know if they killed the guy or the guy just died. Uh, but they just they kept the what's that they killed the guy they killed the guy over what do you do you know
1: um the way that i remember from like the movie is um Maca- the i forgot michael alec that it was played by mcculloch uh, Coken. um they owed him money and like he's trying to like get them to pay for money because obviously the the drug dealer angel he has um he has to pay like who he got the drugs from, you know? Yeah. So it's like, so somehow there's like an altercation. And then I forgot how they kill him exactly, but like. But the, they...
0: the main point about it is, that that I find interesting and that I remember from it, I don't want necessarily want to tell too much of the movie version of it, but is the, the that like they basically just kept him in a fucking bathtub and kept doing K for like. Okay. A while, and i I, I don't know if you, how, what uh, how comfortable you are talking about your past experiences with drugs, but I've done k, and I could totally see how that would happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I haven't done K. I, I think like I was more into like um ecstasy or Molly like yeah, yeah. instead of um like kind of um, like the more low stakes ones um I don't know, I just wanted to dance more, so. <laughs> i wanted hey, you like called, more
0: you called uh special k more low stakes you were well, not
1: more low stakes but I, like <laughs> I i always feel like it's i didn't like know a, you were hard bro that's crazy i feel like it's more like
0: uh like it's a psychedelic it's a weird thing it's a dissociative but it kind of treats you like it, it you trip on it in this weird way uh that that's funny but Yeah. When I thought you, when, when you said 24 hour party people, I thought you were talking about the movie, the, uh, Oh, sorry. When you said uh, a party monster, I thought you were talking about 24 hour party people. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Okay. That's, that's a good movie. It's about the origins of the rave scene. I highly (laughs) recommend it. It's, uh, it's about the blue Mondays and, and, uh, I forget like who else, some other bands. Oh no, sorry. The happy Mondays. And Mm -hmm. then, I think they become New Order after that, but but so basically it's the story of this guy and how like, uh, he w- it's Steve Coogan, I don't know if you know who he is, he's a really um, funny actor uh, from England, he's in this movie called The Trip, but anyway, he's in it and he plays like the manager for these bands, and somehow in the story, like and he's it's kind of one of those like uh Ferris Bueller's Day Off narrative uh devices where he's he's acting in it but then he'll stop stop and explain the history of it of what's happening and basically how the rave scene was born it's fucking great it's really really fun movie i i have it here uh uh that it's one of the ones that i that that someone got for me because they knew how much i like raves <laughs> but yeah it's it's funny it's funny how these things like kind of live in your memory did you ever watch uh go i think it was called
1: yeah is that uh is that the one where they're driving around seven yeah ago? yeah they drive around no. a
0: whole bunch of cities mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah that that movie anyway all those like movies they give my brain it like thinking about them just now Make give my brain like the serotonin release that kind of is like it's like uh i don't know if you like love playing a sport and then you come home and watch it and it gives you that like warm fuzzies like because i don't know when i was i was going to parties when i was too young to like i I actually got turned away from one and they had to drive me all the way back to my house because they were like fuck uh it was ronnie size uh represent was playing and i fucking missed that show um it was on south beach but for us, it was more of the club scene since, like, Miami was huge with clubs. And I've mentioned this before. We also had, like, I think that the outdoor raves, there's something about them. When you were talking about the abandoned swimming pool, that that sounds like it was probably pretty special. Because, like, there's something about, I don't know, like, it has a different vibe. I, we did, it, there was this place, this party called Leprechaun Liberation, which was at a go-kart racing track that also had an arcade, it was the first place, it was, that was, that was, at that party was the first time I heard uh, Woo Ha by Buster Rhymes, yeah. and bro, everybody already knew that song, like, I was just late to the game, and they were, uh, like, everyone was freaking out, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? This is amazing! <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's always interesting thinking about, like, the songs that you discover while tripping on some sort of drugs, and, like, yeah, yeah. That feeling, they're like... It it just, like, elevates that experience as well, you know, and especially, like, I feel like dancing also kind of gets you in that state of trance, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, um, you're dancing for hours, you're just kind of, like, focused on the movement, and you kind of just forget about everything except for you and how you want to move with the sound that is coming out, and I always find that beautiful.
0: Yeah, no, that's that is I, you're you're reminding me why I used to do it, because it, I just haven't been. It's like I've never been a club party dancer, you know, where you go out and you're like, hey, let's grind up against each other, you know. <laughs> like I, I, I mean, I, I've done it. It's, it's, but it's a weird dynamic. There's something about when you're dancing in a space where it's like you're just dancing for your own dancing. I don't know. I I remember seeing some really good shows. I saw orb and the orb back when they were doing, um, they had one of the best light shows I've seen. Uh, what, what, so are you more in like, what are you into EDM? Is that more of your, your genre?
1: No, I mean, lately, um, I kind of like,
0: what were you dancing to? And then I was dancing to electro, like,
1: yeah. Like electro and kind of that style.
0: That's uh, kind of similar to the Detroit techno, right? Yeah, I think it that's is. Like, I, that's that's what Dr. Dre used to make before yeah. he was a hip hop artist. Yeah, he used to put on. I that was part of the beef. Like he he, uh, what's it called? Ice Cube. You you know that song? Um, no Vaseline. No. Uh, uh, it's a diss song from when he left N.W.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> no Vaseline, obviously. <laughs> uh, reference to anal rape, uh, but basically he he showed he released a picture of uh Dr. Dre in his electro days and this was back when it was the early 90s where it was like every gangster rapper had to be tough and he had a fucking eyeliner and makeup on his uh, on him so it was like a big fucking deal but yeah he used to uh, he used to go make electro and like try to get laid Wow, oh, okay I there's a really go. great song of, of uh of uh his of, like uh like with like fucking it's like an electro track with um what's it called like all the creature it's from halloween creatures like Frankenstein is friends with so and so, but yeah, I, mean, I dig Electro. I'm glad, I, but in the in, in 2007, what kind of what, what was it? Was it a modernized Electro, or were they would just? It was just a throwback scene.
1: I, it was more modernized. I mean, it was like I'm just trying to remember. Like all of them just eventually ended up becoming like the like EDM kind of like people at some mm-hmm. point. Um, like I'm trying to remember. Who it was, like, we would listen to, like, mustard pimp, um, chewy chocolate. Chips. some like some weird thing. Keep like
0: naming the, them. These are so good. DJ like, Diesel Boy.
1: <laughs> I forgot
0: the best part of rave mute culture is the fucking names. <laughs> that rave that I was telling you about, it was a. a, a, we, a we, there were also batting cages. I remember dancing in a batting cage, but it was called Leprechaun Liberation.
1: <laughs>
0: guessing it was in March.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah I can't remember exactly like where they're at now I mean I mean I think like the one of the big ones I think is um, damn I forgot their name um, but Mr. Wasso or Mr. Yeah, yeah. Ozio o- yeah like he um, he was like one of like that I would like that I would listen to a lot at the same time didn't he I have think... the,
0: the phone video where it's like a Muppet listening to a phone yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah i remember mr ozio that that's that's a little bit of overlap he was big in europe i think but i think that's where i saw the video or no maybe it was in dc but anyway that doesn't matter
1: but yeah like it was like that kind of thing it's like and i'm also really bad at remembering like at that time like what was what genre or whatever i'm like to me i was like all new to it so like for mm-hmm. me it's like It all sounds the same, but I like what this is sound like. This sounds more like what I want to dance to. Like my friends, I, I also like my friends kind of hated like drum and bass, like all of that.
0: I, I totally understand it. It's one of the hardest musics to fucking dance to. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> but what you do is you just, you don't dance to it. Like you don't dance to it. the one, two, three, four, you dance to the, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, like you, you, you fucking slow it down. You don't have to dance that fa- You don't have to dance like this, but it's hilarious to watch people fucking have seizures trying to dance to <laughs> drum and bass. That was part of what that, that may have been part of the snootiness of the scene, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, like, you know, but yeah, I could, I could groove it. It's like, you know, that's the rhythm that you go. And then you dance to that instead of going like. <laughs> yeah. And
1: I think what I met one dancer, like when the early days, is like, Oh, just close your eyes and listen to the beat. That's how you dance too. And I think that was like the best advice I ever got with dancing is like, Oh, I'm just going to close my eyes and feel where like the drum or like the thing that I want to focus and dance to, you know, like if I want to dance to like the bass line or like the guitar or like, you know, like, like certain sounds. That's what I kind of like learned to dance to in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like I'm going off on the tangent
0: right there. No, that's all right. So, um... What did you ever travel to any other scenes? Did you or did you stay mostly local in this area? I stayed
1: mostly local because it was um like you know in the two thousand eight, so like the recession and all of that. So it's like mm. we really didn't go. Oh,
0: I forgot no. that. Yeah, I keep forgetting that two thousand seven has, has its own like fucking baggage.
1: <laughs> yeah, so like we never really went. Elsewhere and just like besides like the LA area,
0: um, um, that's cool. That's a, I, I was just asking to make conversation because it, yeah. it, I always find it interesting the different scenes. Um, I, I remember distinctly when I was like going to when I had I, I was living in Miami when I was doing most of my raving, and then I went up north to like uh, Maryland. And I remember being people people being really excited at the idea of our scene because it was still kind of small. Yeah. And I went to their scene, and I was like, in the d c area, I've mentioned it already that that the Baltimore area and all those parties that I went to up there were fucking huge yeah. and almost like, Difficult. Not that I was, like, the most social person back when I was partying. That's one of the other things that I kind of liked about it. It's like you could go somewhere, it was really fucking loud, and you weren't necessarily expected to talk to everybody. You could just kind of wander and people watch and then dance and, you know. So, like, it's not like it was a social scene for me in Miami. But I, I do... Uh, remember that when i was there i was like there's no fucking way this is like impenetrable these are like huge hallways you know it's like warehouse not just a warehouse but like it's clubs that were sizes of like multiple warehouses and had wow. huge rooms and i remember being in one of them and just being like this guy one dj just kept train wrecking and i was like whoa like it doesn't fucking matter when you have this many people like they don't care. Like he kept doing it. I would have figured they would have fucking said something to him, you know. Uh, and train wrecking is just when you like <laughs> crash and burn. He part hyper pop. <laughs> yeah, it was it was wild. But I remember I remember some good nights on that. And then then the whole fun thing is you just stay. What were your after party activities like? Because you don't go directly home, do you?
1: No, I mean, we would usually go and have, like, breakfast somewhere and then go to, like, a friend's house and crash and just, like, kind of sleep sleep right off for uh, for a bit and then, like, go around our days and just kind of, like, either if you had work the next day, you would go to work or whatever you needed to do the next day.
0: Yeah. Um, but you, but I mean, I'm saying, cause we used to, I, maybe it was, we were spoiled because we were in Miami, but we used to have like a ritual. We would go to uh, Lugo point and it was this uh, place where you could see the sunrise. That's the other thing. And now I just realized why you guys don't do that out here. <laughs> out there, I mean, Miami, you're facing the East. So you, you don't get sunsets out there. You get sunrises and that's, what's really beautiful. So we would go to parties and then go see sunrises. And sometimes we would see dolphins and shit. <laughs> but i just remembered a story that i think will probably be the last one i tell but uh what's it called the um there was this one party that my friends were spinning at and it was this regular thing that they were doing at this place called lemonix and it lemonix was just this like random fucking big high ceiling place that had all this like light up artwork that people made, you know, out of plexiglass and like, you know, and it was kind of cool stuff. And there were all these chill areas and seating areas and stuff. So these guys would go and they would they would uh, spin at these parties. They would spin drum and bass, and these fucking fifteen year old kids would show up and they would get they would just get shit faced on Molly. And it was kind of a safe environment. And like I wasn't that much older, so it wasn't fucking it wasn't like well first of all we weren't there we were there to like host the party not to like fucking hit on 16 year old kids yeah. when I was in my 20s but like it was the kind of thing where we were like oh it's nice that these kids have like a safe place to like fucking do drugs you know it felt it was like I couldn't imagine a safer place but obviously the parents didn't see it that way so that place got fucking raided right
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I mean it's it's funny it's like I always find that funny like when we're younger we create like these safe spaces for us but like the adults in our lives don't see it that way yeah they just like oh you're just being um reckless and just fucking up your life or whatever but like no this is like we're all taking care of each other in some weird like communal way
0: yeah there's limits to that but i definitely agree with you <laughs> especially because Molly, I mean, Molly's kind of a dangerous one, you know, yeah. like, like it as, as much fun as it is, if my kid was fucking doing Molly every weekend, I wasn't doing Molly every weekend, you know, yeah. like uh, I've yeah. done LST every weekend and I still think that doing Molly every weekend is going to fuck you up, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, that's what we kind of did. Our friend, like me, my friend group, we would just kind of like do it every weekend and we... It was, like, this one year where we would just party, like, every weekend, like, try to go somewhere. Um, but, like, I do get it, like, that it could be very addicting. Like, yeah. if you're, like, trying to follow that rush, you know?
0: Well, I, I mean, it, I didn't do it a lot just because it would I'm, – I'm, I don't have, like, the most uh, sunny disposition all the time, just chemically. And so when I would do it, I would get fucking – brutally depressed Uh like afterwards but yeah definitely there's people that that have been fucked up by that shit pretty bad because i think it makes holes in your brains, or is that that, maybe that's an old uh (laughs) raver myth yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i remember hearing that myth too where it's like oh yeah if you do a lot of molly or ecstasy you're gonna get holes in your brain (laughs)
0: let's not spread misinformation i want to make
1: sure but i mean it was just like a funny thing that i'm like
0: We'll we'll leave it. We don't have to research it just to be sure. Because, but it is hilarious that you've heard that as well. But yeah, I mean, definitely, I've known people that that had pro- emotional like problem feeling things after doing too much Molly. Yeah. So you know, and I've also talked on the show how like it's not necessarily a good thing to eat mushrooms. I, I said LSD. It was actually mushrooms uh, every weekend either. <laughs> but but I can totally understand. Like I don't know i i also had an awareness of like there uh, while i was there that there's no fucking way that lemonix is gonna be allowed to operate because <laughs> it's like there's no fucking way anything like this is gonna last yeah. but i think the people actually that ran the place got in serious fucking trouble because they knew oh, they yeah. were fucked up you know yeah and so i don't know yeah i mean it's it funny the dream yeah <laughs> uh, i mean
1: it's always weird because i always, i feel like that's what's happening now like the psychedelics with like mushroom is so big and like younger kids. Like I don't, there's not a TikTok that I don't see or like a reference to mushrooms or like to shrooms. And I'm like, it will open your third eye or whatever. I'm like, no, you need therapy. <laughs> I <Yeah>. mean, <laughs> you yeah. know, but it's just like a weird thing, like how cyclical like drug culture is as well. You know? Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny you say that my mom says that when they were, when she was a kid, uh, alcohol was not cool for the kids you know because that was like the the square parents things and like pot and, and psychedelics were the thing that were like so if you like but I don't know how right that is because alcoholism is just fucking perpetual you know <laughs> That's a, there's a yeah. fucking no force as strong as that <laughs> so, well cool man I, anything that you wanted that I didn't ask you about any, any fine, f- uh, final points on uh, on the ideas that, of, uh, of raving anything that you want people to think about
1: well, no I mean not really I feel like we covered like a lot of the points and just yeah. kind of thinking about like the history or just our ne- general I don't think I missed anything that I wanted cool to
0: I, is yeah. there anything that you can promote? Uh, your Instagram is uh, two eight
1: eight am. Yeah, it's um. Let me pull it out cause Yeah. I
0: can't <laughs> I exactly.
1: it was Um, it's um, like the number two eight eight underscore underscore am. Okay. Um, that's um, that's my uh, uh, my Instagram name. I mean, I don't have anything really to um. Promote. besides that so
0: yeah Just your academics My academics, <laughs>
1: but that gets boring
0: <laughs> what uh when are you set to graduate
1: um this is my final year so i'm in my thesis year
0: are you thinking of staying there or are you going to be uh, coming back to la um i didn't realize I'm, you went to csun you yeah. probably know some do you know do you know like emily and uh, uh and some of those people emily blythe jones yeah.
1: Yeah, I know Emily blight Jones. So, um, she was my TA when I was there. Uh, or definitely. not my TA, but like she was a grad student while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I know Adrian Sachs. I know if you've had Adrian Sachs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well. So. Like, at least those are the ones that I know who you had that I know.
0: Yeah, yeah no, I, I would just surprised because I didn't know that you went to Season. But yeah. now now that I'm at Monte Vista, I'm fucking, I, I'm like, <laughs> I know more people from CSUN than ever before. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a, it's a very quiet school, but it has a lot of artists in the L.A. area.
0: Well, I really like that, that 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 everybody at CSUN is supportive of each other, even though it's like a quiet school, you know? It does seem yeah. like it's it's not – it doesn't come as uh, come off the same way that like when CalArts people only hang out with CalArts people. Yeah. I feel like you guys are a lot more open to hanging out with everybody, but I like that you guys support each other as well, you know? Because yeah, I mean, if you're going to go to grad yeah. school – if you're going to go to fucking college, you might as well have a community. That, that's what like our – Uh,
1: like a lot of our professors in that program told us it's like um, to be an artist is like to kind of like work as a group with your friends that you kind of like went to grad school and kind of like that and support each other that way because the art world is very cutthroat and lonely (laughs) and it's good to just like be supportive of each other and that
0: I I mean, that's the only way that I keep my fucking sanity. (laughs) I live off of the support of... Even though I have this podcast, there's Mm -hmm. like... I wouldn't show if it wasn't for my friends and and all of that. So I totally... I'm I'm on board with that. Like, uh, what's it called? I mean, the other alternative is to just fucking help launder money, right?
1: (laughs) Be an art gallery director?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, or just be fucking... Oh, my God. Can you imagine being... uh, Oh... Two, two, uh, Hunter Biden is who I was going to reference, but uh, two people that fucking cracked me up – two things that cracked me up is that uh, Joe Biden tried to fucking ban the, the raves in the 90s. Oh. <laughs> I think he did actually and yeah. I, that was like a huge thing. So not just Lemonics. I think I was aware that like anywhere there's that much fucking trucks, <laughs> there's yeah. going to be some raiding. <laughs> but yeah, all right, we are at What's My Thesis. I am at Javier Proenza on Instagram and all that other shit. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, thank you for listening to the show. And uh, if you want to rate us and review us, that would be very nice. We're also on YouTube and we have a Patreon if you want to help support the show. Um, that would be really nice. Thank you so much. Uh, we're at uh, What's My Thesis or we're What's My Thesis. Dot Patreon.com. I haven't plugged that in so long because people have been broke, <laughs> and I felt bad asking. All right. Thank you so much, Victor. It was nice meeting you, and uh, we'll see you guys next week.